You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to say welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's so great to see you in worship today. I want to offer a special word of welcome to our guests of the commission, the guests of the Presbytery, and especially Carrie's friends and family. This is certainly a special day in the life of our congregation. I want you to know that as people continue to get vaccinated, we are opening up in-person ministry. Uh, We're excited to see one another, to gather for worship a couple opportunities we're going to gather outside um, on May 16th. So next Sunday at 5 p.m., we're going to have a choir concert, uh, weather permitting, outside the back of uh, those front doors, Auto Mimosa Street. And then we're starting up a new initiative on the third Thursdays of the month during the summer. We're going to have kind of a worship service from 5.30 to 7, bring your food. We'll have food trucks, popsicles, um, and it'll be outside the historic sanctuary. Bring your friends. It'll be kind of casual. We're really looking forward to gather in ministry. Well, today we are celebrating the ministry and the call of Carrie Weatherford to the associate pastor position of discipleship here at RPC. And it's a role she's been doing for a couple of years now. And this is an official uh, confirmation of her continued ministry among us. And we're so glad to have you serving with us, Carrie. Now, we'll be honest, if I would have thought a little bit more about this, I probably would not have chosen a text from Revelation Uh, to preach on at your installation service. But I'll let you know that if I get anything wrong, she can clarify any details when she preaches next Sunday. Well, several weeks ago, we looked at the question, does the power of death rule in our world? Is it, does it have the final say on our lives in the cosmos? And then the Next week, we looked at the question of what is heaven like? And we saw this great vision that John in the book of Revelation offers. He says it's almost indescribable. He almost can't wrap his mind around it. But today, we're going to ask a different question. How does that vision of heaven break into our present moment? What difference does it make in our lives, in our world today? We're going to look at Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Then the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, singing, We give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, who are and who were, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath has come, and the time for judging the dead, for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and all who fear fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple, and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Gracious and loving God, we ask through the next few moments, you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word by your spirit that only you can speak. Lord, that our vision of the future might transform our present moment. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dreams can come true. Look at me, babe. I'm with you. As Gabrielle sang, dreams can have a lot of power in our lives. You should know this about my wife. My wife is a woman of many dreams. She's had dreams of going on exotic vacations. She's had dreams of fancy cars, expensive houses. She's had dreams of bank heists and weddings gone wrong. She's had all sorts of dreams. And last month she had a dream about me. I wake up one morning, I roll over to see her staring into my eyes. And with an accusatory tone, she says, you do not protect this family. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> now, I know it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to kind of skate close to the edge here. <laughs> she furrows her brow and is legitimately angry at me. She says, last night I had a dream and someone was trying to break into our home and you did nothing about it. I'm like, oh Lord, you, you realize it was a dream, don't you? She said, someone was trying to break into our home and you did nothing about it. She was angry for me, at me, for the next 24 hours. I'm not kidding. It was absolutely insane. You can ask her about it. She'd be happy to share with you what a terrible protector of our home I am. Over the last month, she's continually asked me, did you lock the door? Did you turn off the lights? Did you turn on the alarm? Are you ready to protect the family? And I said, it was just a dream. <laughs> Dreams can have a powerful impact on our lives. If you have dreams of a fancy car, you'll work really hard to attain that dream. If you have a dream like Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream, you'll work for racial equality. If you have a dream of God triumphing over evil, wiping every tear away, you will live a life full of hope and love. Dreams can have power over our lives. And this is the sort of dream that John is offering in the book of Revelation. It's a dream not just about the future, but it's how the future breaks into our present moment. Remember, John's audience is suffering. They're undergoing severe persecution. Christians are being arrested and brought into the Roman Colosseum where gladiators and wild animals would torture and kill them. 
Christians are seen as some small, rinky-dink kind of strange group who believes that a Palestinian Jewish peasant who ran afoul of the Jewish authorities in the Roman Empire was crucified and was risen on the third day and that changed everything. They're just a small, scared group of people seeking encouragement. They need a dream. And oh, does John have a dream for them? Up until this passage that I read to you, six trumpets have been blown. Each trumpet blast symbolizes the ways, in Eugene Peterson's words, God tries to, to break through the hardness of humanity's hearts. And what we discover is that this hardness of heart can only be broken through by God. And so in verse 15, we read, Then the angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The seventh angel, an angel is just a spiritual messenger from God. The seventh angel completes the cycle. We know that the number seven is the image of completion. Go back to the opening chapters of Genesis in our Bible. So we have seven days. And we see here that the cycle is completed. John says, the kingdom of the world becomes the kingdom of our Lord. The people need a dream that the world is changing, that God has come to transform it. And that's what he says God is doing, that the kingdom of the world is becoming the kingdom of our Lord. You're a small, persecuted minority. Don't give up faith. Don't, give, don't lose hope. Wait for God to complete what God began in Jesus Christ. That's the big vision. Let's look at the contents of the dream. Then the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. Now, as with all dreams, they're open to interpretation. I tend to interpret these 24 elders who appear all over in the book of Revelation. If you take the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is going to be some difficult math for you, and some tw the 12 apostles, and you combine them, you get 24. They're 24 elders, and they represent God's people. God is lifting them up. They thought they were defeated, and God is made them victorious. And what are these 20, 24 elders saying? Well, they worship God singing. We give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, who are and who were, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. If you like music, Revelation seems to say you're going to love heaven. The elders are singing. We give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, now, I don't want you to misunderstand this. This is not like when you go to Costco and you, like, you leave and they say, thanks for shopping with us today. That's not the kind of singing that's going on. This is more like you're at your home, your best friend falls unconscious, you call the paramedics, you're, you're worried, you're scared, and the ambulance shows up, the paramedics come in, and you go, thank God you're here. You're rescued. Thank God you're here. The world is so messed up, full of disease, despair, death. We need to be rescued. 
And John has this vision that God has come and begun rescuing us in Jesus Christ. And that's his great grand dream, his great vision for the future. But as we know, as the psychoanalyst Carl Jung told us, every dream has its shadow side. John goes on, you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath has come and the time for judging the dead. So we get to think about God's wrath. Now, if you guys are anything like me, you know what this feeling is like. Someone cuts you off in traffic. You say, one day you're gonna get yours. <laughs> Someone breaks your heart, oh, wait till this happens to you, you're gonna get it. You lose your job, oh, I hope all your customers go away. One of the characteristics of apocalyptic literature is that there's kind of a spirit, spirit of retribution in it. There's an anger about injustice, a, a, a desire almost to call fire down on our enemies. And John comes very close to this. But notice what he says, your wrath has come. Whose wrath? Not my wrath, not your wrath, but God's wrath. John seems to be saying all final judgments should be left up to God. Not to us, but to God. Karl Barth, the greatest theologian of the 20th century said, when you come across God's wrath in the Bible, you should see it and interpret it as the burning fire of God's love. The burning fire of God's love. How should that make us feel? I have to tell you about the best Bible study I've ever been a part of. Rebecca was a doctoral student at Georgia Tech. She's now a professor at Brandeis, professor of chemistry. And we were studying the Apostles' Creed and we came to that section where it says, to judge the living and the dead. We came to the section about judgment. I asked her, I said, do you want me to lead this? And she says, no, Jeff, I've got it. I said, all right. So she reads the relevant scriptures and then she says something that I've never heard anyone ever say in a Bible study before or since. She says, let us turn to the Heidelberg Catechism and see what it has to say about this. I was like, what is going on right now? Well, you know, the Heidelberg Catechism is one of our denomination's founding documents. It was written 1563 by a prince who hired several theologians to write a catechism. It's got questions and responses. It's used to teach your children the basics of the faith. She must have read it because she quoted from question 52. Listen to this. How does Christ's return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? This is the answer. In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and removed the whole curse from me. Rebecca says, just where we think we're going to be left to despair, to shame and judgment, just when we're about to lose hope, this is where the catechism says we should find the most comfort. 
we can be comforted that God is the judge. In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place. We can wait with uplifted head both for ourselves and for the world and leave final judgments to God because we have a judge we can trust. We have a judgment that is meant to comfort us. And I'll be honest with you, until that Bible study, never really thought about God's judgment in a comforting way. Well, I do now. John has a dream not of going to war against his enemies or seeing divine violence brought down upon them. No, he leaves judgment up to God. And then, and then John brings it around to celebrate the service of the faithful, the service, the lives of the saints for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints and all who fear your name, both small and great. When John thinks about the end of all things, how we will be rewarded, the saints will come in, he remembers not just the great, but the small as well. All will be rewarded. I love to think about that the seemingly small conversations in our lives make a big difference. The small acts of courage, the small gestures of love can make a big difference. I think of the widow who dropped her few pennies in the offering plate and Jesus said, she's given more than all the rich. I think about the scripture that says, God speaks in the still small voice. And as today we're installing Carrie Weatherford, I can't help but think of her call story. She's told it to me a number of times and it never gets old. She said, yeah, I was in the office, Lane's office, Dr. Lane Alderman. I was sitting there and he said, looked at her and said, I, that's, that's God's calling on your life to ministry. And the way Carrie tells us, it's like, really? Are you, me? Yes. And then he gets on the phone, calls Columbia Seminary, says, I have a new student for you. <laughs> Poor Carrie. <laughs> she had no idea what she's getting into. Oh, through that small conversation, her life was changed, her family's life was changed, this congregation was changed, and the countless people that she has ministered to, and the, the people that those people have ministered to. Who would have thought it? God had a dream. And this is the dream we are all called to live into. To join in God's work in transforming the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of the Lord. To leave the final judgments up to a judge we can trust. To continue to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in both small and great ways. In both word and deed. And carry your ministry is to cast that dream for people. 
Help them live into it. Let that dream break into your present moment that you are transformed. And so when you encounter times of despair, hope breaks through. When disease seems to be getting the best of us, God's healing finds a way in. When we think about death ruling in this world, we are reminded of God's conquering over sin and death in Jesus Christ on the third day. Friends, dreams can come true. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this great dream, this great vision that John has given us. May we live into it. And Lord, we especially pray for Carrie that you might bless her ministry among us. We thank you for what and how she has served us. And we thank you for the great dreams she will fulfill in the coming days. In your name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.